Don't. The 3HL, powered by the Tennessee Lottery, with Brent Doherty and Don Davenport. Powered by the Tennessee Lottery on 104.5 The Zone. Brent Dorney, Don Davenport with you until 6 o'clock. Todd Furman coming up in about 12 minutes to roll through the point spreads for the games coming up this week. And uh, we'll hit on all of the SEC games, some of the bigger games across the country, obviously the NFL. Uh, I was talking to Todd yesterday. Uh, He's still not into basketball yet. Um, (laughs) Apparently neither is Kentucky nor Duke. Um, Yes, that was crazy. I know, and how crazy is this season so far already? Uh, Tennessee was the only top 25 team to have not played a game until last night. Uh, they played well on defense. They're, they're good enough on defense. I mean, in game number one, to, to see them playing defense like that, that that's that's what's going to carry them. Uh, and, you know, then when they get the offense going, get the freshmen uh, with their legs under them, uh, they should be a really, really good team. But uh, yesterday, a little cold offensively, but – uh, Pond's had this is a, this is an Eve Pond uh, line on a stat sheet: two points, ten rebounds. Now he, <laughs> didn't, he didn't have the like three, four, five block shots that he typically has. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, haven't really dove into college basketball yet. They've had some big matchups with ranked teams though, and then um, I'll get there. Uh, but uh, still, all in on football. Um, Isaiah Wilson in the news today. Uh, Dory Jackson back at practice. We'll get to that in just a second. But uh, the big man released a statement for uh, the Tennessee Titans, um, John Robinson, with regard to Isaiah Wilson today. Do you have that pulled up? Yes, I do. Um, yeah, obviously they uh, made the move to move him to the reserve non-football illness list. And here's the statement from Titans general manager John Robinson on it. Today, we placed Isaiah Wilson on the reserve non-football illness list. Currently, he is dealing with some personal issues, which will take some time for him to work through. We will continue to help him and support him with the hope that he can ultimately rejoin the team. In the statement. With the hope that he can rejoin the team. Yes. Uh, Clearly, a, a lot going on there. Um. You know, you saw when the move was made earlier, you saw it was personal reasons. But um, this is I I feel like this is almost kind of last straw from this Titans organization. Hey, young man, you got to get your stuff together. Here you go. We're not And Coach McBride. I asked him about it earlier and it's we're not giving up on you. But here it is, you know, sink or swim, figure it out. We're here to help you. But now's the time. Yeah, he he said uh, you know, the position would be, and he said he's been through things like this before. And obviously, he doesn't know what's going on in detail with this deal. Uh, but he said, you know, you, in that situation, you don't give up on a guy until he gives up on himself. And and that's that's a tough place to be, but that's a business. Uh, and from a personal standpoint, uh, I, I think a lot of people listening um, hear something like that and they understand the severity of whatever is going on. And, and um are offering are, are throwing up prayers uh, for, for Isaiah Wilson, just on a personal level, um, on a football level. I mean, frustrating, very, I mean, your first round pick, right. has not been up at all. Yeah. And 
except for what, like three or four snaps in um, garbage time. I mean, and that's the only game so he was up for. Um, yeah, and and yeah. so. I mean, yeah, frustration is definitely the word uh, from a football perspective. But uh, from a, on a personal level, that guy, that guy's been in some. Uh, I mean, a lot of situations already. You know, way yeah. too many. It's kind of scary. Uh, so that's uh, that's in the news. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. I believe we have someone on who wants to talk about that. And we do. Jordan in Nashville uh, will be next up on three HL. Hey, Jordan, what's going on, man? The Tennessee Titans wasted their first round draft pick by taking the Panda. This guy can't even get on the field, given all the injuries to the offensive line. But, hey, at least he got in for a couple of nail downs and a PAT, which he got pancakes on. How many lists can one guy be on? He's on a list I didn't even know existed. But the Titans should have drafted an edge rusher in the first round and not burned $22 million to mercenaries. Panda will become the biggest bust in Tennessee Titans history. Uh, there you go. Hey, might, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with that at all. It, it certainly might be argue, <laughs> might be accurate. Um, funny how many lists can this guy end up on? But that, let me that say was a this. good. That was a good line. <laughs> the 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 comment that I hear over and over: Oh, they should have taken an edge rusher. If there was an edge rusher there at that spot. They would have freaking taken him. There yeah, wasn't. There, wasn't. there was not a legit edge rusher. Everybody acts like the edge rushers just grow on trees. They don't. Well, it's just frustrating because how many off seasons in a row have we said the Titans need an edge rusher? The Titans need a defensive playmaker that can put pressure on the quarterback. We we said it forever. Guess what? We're going to be saying this off season. Same. The thing. same damn thing. Times a hundred. Yeah. And also, this fan base is burned by. Um, what the Titans felt or thought were decisions and acquisitions in the offseason to help defensively to get to the quarterback, to to make a difference there. And both of those were bust as well. Could have taken the Georgia kicker instead of the Georgia offensive tackle. Huh. 615-737-1045. RJ next up on 3HL. RJ, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, first of all, shout out to everybody that helped. It had something to do with tour field yesterday, man. Huge success. I love it. Awesome, man. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, that's always a special day for everyone involved uh, with with one hundred four five the zone. All we do is present the national community with an opportunity to give, and and every year, uh, even with everything that's going on now, uh, just to see people walking up, and in a lot of cases with their kids, showing them the spirit of giving um, is just something that uh, you know we we take very seriously, and appreciate you saying that. It's awesome. But, um, yeah, I wanted to couple, touch on a couple of things real quick. Um, probably a couple of days late on this, everybody was wondering, why do you defer the kickoff? You defer the kickoff so you can play defense and score first and get the ball in the second half. It's super obvious. I don't understand even why it was questioned because we stopped them, held them to a field goal, and if they would have spotted the ball right, could have potentially went up 7-3. Um, but my main thing is why I'm calling this, man, it's the NCAA is such a sham. I mean, like, you're, you, you're doing it right in everybody's face. They've been doing it for years since the BCS. It's about money. It's not about the kids. It's not about yep. their education. It's not about their safety. It's about money. Pay them kids, man, because without them, you got nothing. 
it's it's a feeder system. The the the, the NCAA basketball is a feeder system to the NBA. College football is a feeder system to the NFL. Everybody sees it. I have a Hunter's Lane education, and I know this. So I know people more educated <laughs> than me know this. So if I can uh, stay on hold and listen to you guys, I appreciate it. I'm listening on the great app. I'm out here in Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you, guys. RJ, oh, Hillsburg, like Hillsburg right here, too. So, uh, yeah, I feel you on that deal. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, that, I said it earlier. Like, they were looking for a competitive analysis and all of this stuff. And in reality, it comes down to dollars. And, and they need Ohio State in that game. And they want them in the college football playoff. And they don't want to jeopardize that um, because there's a lot of money involved in that Final Four. So, uh, hey, so, it's a business. Same as business. the NFL. Same as the NBA. Same as Major League Baseball. It's it's same thing. It's all so, about the money. It's a business. So Indiana gets screwed out of their first Big Ten championship game. Um, they haven't been anywhere close to this good since, not what, 1988 or 89, some, somewhere in there. They played Tennessee in the Peach Bowl, I remember. Yeah. Um, now but, you can uh, make the argument that Ohio State already beat IU, so if you just look at the head-to-head, this is what it. it should be. It, here's something else I want to point out, though. It And I get it. It's COVID. I get it. Okay. But we're talking a, from a, a competitive um, advantage here. Ohio State now has a bye week. Northwestern is playing. So I, Ohio State gets an extra bye week before they head into that uh, that championship game with Northwestern on top of the rule being changed so that they could uh, they they would be there. Doesn't matter. Ohio State could play three games in one week, and Northwestern could take three weeks off, and Ohio State's still going to run. You never know. know. How do you know? know. You've only seen them play five games. Yeah, I know. That's a very small. That's a very small sample size. Bad matchup. I I like Ohio State and their athletes against Northwestern, and you know their pre-law guys. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll ask, we'll ask Todd, we'll ask Todd what he really, the fighting Reese will. Davises. We definitely will. Uh, yeah. And the, the other thing is like the, the big 10 created that rule. I didn't create that rule. I think it's a stupid rule, but it's a rule. So, you know, Indiana should go and then Ohio state should go to the final four. I mean, that's not hard for me, but whatever. This is what it is. Yeah, you can't make the argument. If they didn't change the rule, you can't make the argument that Ohio State didn't play enough games to play in their conference championship, but played enough games and passed the eye test to play in the college football playoffs. So they it had passed to be the done. eye test. Yeah, there's no so it had ga- to be done. There's no game minimum for the college football playoff. They they weren't dumb enough to put that rule in like Correct. the Big Ten was. But the Big Ten was scrambling. I mean, to be fair, they thought everybody They've would been scrambling them. this entire time they thought everybody would follow them and not play. And then everybody played and it looked like they were going to play and they were like, Oh crap, what do we do now? So then they were flying by the seat of their pants. Leadership. You hit it earlier. Lack thereof. Uh, when we come back, Todd Furman will offer winners and point spreads and all of those things. That's next. You got to be here to hear that. That's next. 3HL 1045 is on. 3HL powered by the Tennessee lottery, the longest running guest on 3HL. In fact, he's uh, outlasted several hosts, uh, Todd Furman. Our guy in Vegas uh, who is celebrating this uh, does not uh, bet the board podcast. Uh, certainly check that out. Rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. And and uh, Fox Bet Live, 3.30 weekdays on FS1. And, of course, his uh, weekly hit on 3HL, uh, which he gets paid gobs of money to do. Um, sponsored by your mom and them and, and whoever else. Uh, Todd, what's up? How are you? You know, gobs of money. I mean, we were doing this before sports betting was legalized in Nashville. I get my rate should <laughs> increase right. exponentially here, given the time that I've put in, the tenure, the level of service. 
what have you. But I think after this point, Brent, knowing how many hosts I've been able to outlast in this particular segment, that I'm contractually obligated to go wherever you go. So if it becomes a podcast <laughs> in your basement, therefore I have to come on as a weekly guest. I mean, it kind of is. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's right hey, now. Todd, you'll be you'll be proud to know. Like my thing to you has been, I'm not betting unders because I don't want to watch a game and 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 hope that nobody scores. But I bet three unders over the weekend, and I went two and one. Three and zero oh would have been better, but two and one made me some money. Yeah, you take it where you can get it. If you win two out of every three bets you place from now in perpetuity, you're going to be on the plus side of the ledger and have a pretty <laughs> healthy discretionary income to try and work with on the side. I always joke with people when it comes to betting games under the total, it's excruciating in basketball. It's not much better in soccer when you go under two and you root for nothing to happen. The one sport, though, that's truly enjoyable to bet unders in is actually baseball because you just root for good pitching and the game to be played relatively quickly, and you're yeah. never really out of it. So uh, unders I love in baseball, all the other sports I bet mainly unders, uh, but I don't enjoy watching those games. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't even thought about basketball, but, yeah, I mean, you're like, yes, he missed another three, <laughs> you yeah, know? It, Exactly. You're talking about a college basketball total and you're just counting bricks, hopeful, hoping that you go two minutes that are scoreless, that you go 90 seconds. And you're constantly doing the math in your head, uh, trying to figure out how many points per minute they need to score to actually beat. <laughs> I mean, that's how I used to get so good at division yeah. and multiplication. Uh, when I started gambling, I was like 12 or 13. I could do all the stuff in my head. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh, Todd's math rates are really good. What's going on there? Oh, it's gambling. <laughs> hey, there's a lot to be said about that. The same way NASCAR engineers are great with physics and, and everything else. Despite what people lead you to believe, there's a ton of math in and around sports. And if that's what teaches yep. you to be able to think on your feet, then it's doing its job, even if it's in Degenerate Nation. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody listening was really good at their uh, seven multiplication tables, right? Like everybody <laughs> listening uh, was really good. Like, why can't you do six? I don't know. <laughs> well, you have to do seven is 49. Yeah, you, you have to do a lot more sixes now, though, with all the extra points in the NFL. It's, it's, it's changed the game quite a bit, but uh, there's no doubt sevens definitely come in handy for the college and pro football fans. Well, as we continue to learn how to bet legally uh, on sports in Tennessee, um, I, I have to share a success story. So I bet the Titans, once the line went to minus four and a half, I bet the Titans. And I should have realized once it went to four and a half, they were looking for more Titans money, and I should have gone the other way. I didn't. So at halftime, I was pretty pissed off, Todd. But you know what I did? In-game betting. Titans again, didn't you? In-game betting. Titans minus seven and a half. And, and Dawn said that was a that was a, a, a aggressive play. Yeah. But I thought, Because right, I wouldn't have trusted them. I, I thought the one thing under Vrabel, these teams don't give up, um, and they continue to fight. And and so I thought Ryan Tannehill would start throwing it all over the field. I thought Cleveland would sit back on defense. I thought they would run the ball, and I thought that was a pretty smart bet. Yeah, 28-3 to three in the second half definitely paid dividends after they spotted the Browns a 31-point lead at the break. Uh, it's interesting. When you look at that game, you're spot on. That professional money came in on Cleveland. Number got yeah. as high as six earlier in the week. Closed as low as three at some shops out here. And you did see over money come in. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a game where the clock kept moving and it was going to be run, run, run. But as we saw, the Cleveland Browns utilized a very similar game plan that the Minnesota Vikings did that was successful against the Titans. Uh, play action passing, get your receivers one-on-one -on -one in space. And we know the Titans are capable of scoring. It was just a little bit of a surprise. Uh, they weren't able to move the ball at all over the first 30 minutes. All right, let's, uh, let's hop into, I guess we'll start with the NFL since you brought it up. How's that, Brent? Um, Let's talk Pittsburgh and Buffalo because this is the one that uh, I've got an eye on. Yeah, and this has had a major line moved on. Before last weekend's games, 
Uh, we would have been looking at the Steelers, a short two, two and a half point favorite on the road in Buffalo. Uh, but over the last couple of weeks, you've seen a lot of professional money coming in against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so much of that reason is because this team is banged up. You look at their defense right now. Steven Nelson missed the game. No Bud Dupree, no Devin Bush. Uh, there's a chance that we're talking about Joe Hayden not clearing concussion protocol. Uh, Robert Spillane gets injured. So this Steelers defense that's number one in the league in points per game allowed is a far cry from where it was earlier in the season. Meanwhile, you look at Buffalo, a bit of a short week. Josh Allen playing with a ton of confidence. Uh, and this is a Bills team that struggles to stop the run. Well, the Steelers don't run it all that well, so it should be a favorable matchup for Buffalo. You have even seen professionals laying the money line with Buffalo and minus two. I'm a little bit surprised, though, to see this total getting bet down. Want to check the weather forecast as we get closer in. If Big Ben is anywhere close to 75 80%, he should have some success throwing, and I think Buffalo will do their fair share of damage going over the top of that Steelers secondary. Let's stay in the AFC East, and Miami's playing some serious defense, and they've got Kansas City coming in. Kansas City is seven-and-a-half-point favorite in Miami. What do you think about that matchup? Chiefs aren't making anybody money lately, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, inflated mm -hmm. price tags, you look at where they close as a 12, 12-and-a-half-point favorite against Denver, never outside that number. Uh, the last couple of games, winning by two, winning by three, winning by four. Uh, Kansas City right now struggling as far as red zone execution. I think they're 0 for their last seven trips. Uh, inside the 20 and you have to score touchdowns when you're laying these kind of numbers now Tyreek Hill mispracticed today saying an illness not COVID related something you're going to want to keep tabs on if you want to try and make a case for backing the Chiefs and I think the market is finally bottomed out on Kansas City I look at Miami they don't run the ball all that effectively and Tua throwing into the teeth of that Chiefs secondary really scares me I know a lot of people are going to gravitate towards the home underdog but for me it's Kansas City or pass once I find out that Tyreek Hill gets a clean bill of health Todd Furman, our guy in Vegas, uh, AFC South, uh, Titans fans interested in this Indianapolis matchup in Las Vegas. And they won't be happy the way this game is getting bet so far. You've seen very real money from professionals coming in on the Colts, driving this number out to three at some shops. Still a lot of two and a half in the market. When you look at Indianapolis, the big question is how Phillip Rivers is going to perform week to week. We know he's dealing with an extremely injured foot. The folks that I've talked to said it's a lot more serious than the Colts have let on. But Phillip Rivers, every stop along the way, whether it was his college days or as a member of the Chargers, he's a fighter. He's going to go out there and play through it. Uh, Indianapolis receiving core is getting a little bit healthier. We've seen the emergence of Michael Pittman. Uh, we know what um, you can get as far as T.Y. Hilton is concerned as well, even if he looks like a shell of his former self. On the other side, Raiders pretty fortunate, obviously, to get through the Jets with that cover zero that Greg Williams employed. Uh, no strong opinion for me. My lean would be towards the Colts here, but at a full field goal, uh, I'd be inclined to look at the Raiders. I just worry that they're going to be able to get pressure. The other injury to keep tabs on, Anthony Costanzo missed last week with an MCL sprain. The yeah. Colts lose LaRaven Clark for the season. If Costanzo can't go and they're down in your third string left tackle, that's a big deal. If he's out there, I think the Colts win this game. Let's go uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. Uh, Baltimore on the short week. Uh, Cleveland, uh, I, I guess, is for real, Todd. You know, they're playing well. And to the Browns' credit, there were a lot of questions coming into their game against the Titans. They went out and answered the bell, especially on the offensive side. I think a lot of that, though, too, has to deal with Tennessee's inability to get pressure. So it allowed Baker Mayfield to sit there working off of play action in a comfortable pocket from start to finish corners on islands and ultimately you saw the results early on in the game when he throws four touchdown passes this is a little bit of a different matchup Baltimore has had Cleveland's number at least uh through five games Baker Mayfield's completion percentage under 60 in his career just eight touchdowns to seven picks 
I almost feel like this is the perfect opportunity to buy low on Baltimore. They're going to bring pressure. I do worry about the interior of that defensive line as they've given up some chunks of yards. Nick Chubb, truly elite in his ability to run the football. Um, but I think Baltimore, kitchen sink type game. They know what's at stake here on the outside looking in. Uh, I think they go on the road and get a big win in the division. Titans took care of the Jags in week two. Obviously a very different looking Jacksonville team this uh, week. And the Titans opened up seven and a half point favorites on the road. Where are we now? I have to give a ton of credit to the Jags. There's no doubt that this team doesn't have a heck of a lot of NFL talent. Yet week in, week out, they're fighting from the start of the game until the bitter end. And last week against Minnesota, they really had two good drives. One coming early in the game when they built a 6 nothing lead. And late when they marched the length of the field, converted the two-pointer ultimately to force overtime. I still don't know what's going on there because I think Gardner Minshew gives them a better chance to win games than Mike Glennon. Maybe it's all part of a, a master plan, so to speak. But you look at the Titans, and until I see more from this team defensively, it's hard to lay more than a touchdown, uh, especially on the road in the division. I don't think the Titans will lose back-to-back -back games, but would it shock anybody if Tennessee had a 10-point lead late and Jacksonville comes marching through the back door? Uh, no fly territory for me. Want to see how this total ends up moving. If it got down below 52, uh, I'd be inclined to dabble over. I think James Robinson has a big day, but Derrick Henry has a true bounce back performance. I might actually look for a prop bet on him as well. Expect his rushing totals to open in the mid to high 90s. Uh, I expect him to break the century mark. Ooh, Interesting okay. stuff. So looking at the Titans uh, down the stretch, what, what do you think when, when you look at uh, probably another uh, advantageous opportunity for Derrick Henry against Detroit, uh, who's fired their coach, although they did beat the Bears last week. Then you've got the game in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers against that tight, tight secondary. I don't like that matchup at all from a Titan perspective. And, and then Houston. And who knows if Deshaun Watson's even playing in that game. I don't know. Well, and I think that Houston game is fascinating because if you're the Houston Texans, you're not going to have much to play for other than to right. throw a wrench into the divisional race. And Romeo Cornell, who knows, it could be the last game he ever has as a head coach. Deshaun Watson has gone out there and shown that doesn't matter what his weapons look like, he's going to get the most out of them. But this Houston Texans passing attack loses a lot of bite without Will Fuller. We know what Deshaun Watson's numbers look like with him out there from an efficiency standpoint versus what they trend towards without him. Kiki QT filled in nicely, but not the same kind of deep threat by any stretch of the imagination. I think worst case scenario, we're talking about the Titans finishing out the stretch three and one. The bigger question when you look at what the Colts have in front of them do you think this is a team that can run the table? And in my opinion, if they get through the Raiders this weekend, the upcoming dates for them to close out the season home against the Texans. Sure, mm -hmm. it's a bounce back spot for Houston, but I think Indianapolis will hold serve at home. It comes down to that week 16 matchup, Indianapolis at the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Colts win that, I think they go on to win the division. It's a team I picked before the season. Would I back them now at the current price? No, uh, but I would not be shocked at all if Indianapolis finds a way to run the table and ultimately end up atop the AFC South. The Titans go three and one. You love the Colts, man. You know what? <laughs> I'll say one thing about them. I was a little bit disappointed in the Colts effort against the Titans, but they were clearly undermanned when they were blown out 45, 26. But this is a team I think that deals with adversity. You have a veteran quarterback and there's nothing from the beginning of the season that's really changed in their DNA. The Titans have probably exceeded my expectations. No doubt about it. Uh, but I picked the Colts before the year, and I'm still going to stand by them until they're mathematically eliminated from that post. I, I, I will point out the Titans were pretty much undermanned, too, with the third-string left tackle also. But uh, we'll, we'll move on.
<laughs> Here we go. Here we <laughs> go. Trying to make sure that the Titans get their due diligence. Were the Titans undermanned last week? Were they should have, should they have been allowed to play with thirteen guys defensively to slow down the Browns? Brent? <laughs> I mean, I really think they could have put fifteen guys out there. It still wouldn't work. Auburn and Mississippi State in the SEC. Auburn by seven and a half. Last time I looked. Don, cover your ears. You're not going to like what I have to say oh, here. Um, no, no. This is a game where I think Auburn has already emptied the tank. You look at what they gave the last two weeks in the Iron Bowl. They were just outclassed. Uh, that wasn't a reflection of their energy or effort by any stretch. But last weekend, uh, a lot of Auburn folks really believed that was the spot that they could get a season-defining win against Texas A&M. And they were in that contest for pretty much start to finish, ultimately coming up on the short end of the stick as five-and-a-half-point underdogs. What do they have in the tank for this game at Mississippi State and Starkville? You're going to get a Bulldogs team that's well-rested after a narrow loss in the Egg Bowl. Uh, you look at the true freshman quarterback there that appears to be at least something for Mike Leach and company to build on. And as depleted as Mississippi State is, the guys that remain on this roster that Leach hasn't kicked off the team or have opted out really appear to be the core he's going to lean on going forward. This is a program looking to try and build. I think Auburn, like we talk about at the end of every season, is Gus on the hot seat? Is he not on the hot seat? What's the starting quarterback situation? This is a game that I think Mississippi State plays, arguably one of their most complete performances of the season. I would not be shocked whatsoever if the cowbell reigns supreme Saturday in Starkville. Vanderbilt. That's ridiculous. Uh, by the way, the buyout is so big that Gus ain't on the hot seat. Go ahead. Oh, and it's basketball <laughs> season for Auburn. You guys should have there one half go. postseason run this year, right? Oh, that's right. We thought the buyout was too big for Muschamp, too. Um, uh, Tennessee at Vanderbilt. <laughs> this is bigger. Yeah. Vander, Vanderbilt uh, released its depth chart with 45 scholarship players. Uh, Tennessee favored by 15. You're staying away from this one? Yeah. I mean, I want no part of length 15 and a half with the Vols. I, I want no part of trying to make a case. Uh, for Vanderbilt here as a home underdog. What is interesting about this game, the total sits at 50. It's down a shade from 51 and a half. Yeah. Uh, anyone who watched Tennessee play host of Florida last week, and they showed fight early on, but were clearly outclassed. Uh, how they were able to put together two 95-yard drives when it mattered most in the final five minutes. A hat tip to everybody in East Tennessee that no doubt decided that they wanted to try and bet the home team. I think it was about 85-15 split in terms of how those tickets broke down uh, with the favorite. Uh, but this is a game where just two teams are playing out the string uh, not, haven't spent a whole lot of time handicapping won't and won't claim to have a compelling betting angle where, where do you have the over under in that one around 45 uh, you know what uh, it's so tough to try and figure out with what you're going to get from these teams Vanderbilt yeah. I thought they could be an over team down the stretch because I like the way that they were progressing with 10 seals and then you get shut up by Missouri and it's kind of thrown a wrench into everything I've expected from the Commodores offense gotcha. would it surprise me if this game was you know, 27, 17, thereabouts, not at all. Would it surprise me if it turned into a higher scoring affair? So tough to try and predict. I think you'll get a pretty good idea of what we're going to get from these teams after a series or two. Is there a college football game or two that we didn't hit on that you like? I think it's a good buy low spot in the Big Ten West for Wisconsin. Uh, they've been pretty unfortunate. Uh, mustered a grand total of 13 points over the last two losses uh, in Evanston against Northwestern and followed up last week against Indiana. But lost in those games was the fact that Wisconsin racked up more than 750 yards of offense, and they averaged 54 yards per point. Why is that statistic impressive? Because the average in college football is right around 14 and a half. So it says they've been a little bit unlucky. Execution hasn't been there. But look at Iowa's schedule. They haven't really beaten anybody. If you can take away the run, I don't think a young quarterback can beat this Badgers defense. Heartland Trophy on the line. Look for Wisconsin and their two-game winning losing streak and get a big W. What about the NFL? Did we miss one there? Uh, this is an interesting weekend. Uh, when we look at, you know, some of the marquee matchups, I think we hit on a lot of those. 
I'd say if you're looking for a live underdog and you have an iron stomach, maybe the Detroit Lions, if they're able to get Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift back. Green Bay, uh, this is a team I think that can win, but defensively I have major reservations about them laying more than a touchdown on the road. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's an NFL weekend that I don't see a ton uh, of intriguing betting value. I think tomorrow night's game should be fascinating to watch. Uh, when you look at the way New England is playing defensively, the Rams sure would love to exact a measure of revenge for the Super Bowl that got away. But Brian Flores and Bill Belichick have had a game plan to slow down Jared Goff. Let's see if that changes here. But the Patriots can't afford to turn this into a track meet. They just don't have the firepower to win a game where they might need to score more than 20 points. The uh, iron stomach underdog pick. I think we just uh, found a feature for one of there, There's got to be some malt liquor in the state of Tennessee that yeah. I don't know about here that wants to try and support, you know, the iron stomach underdog, you know, maybe like an MD 2020 or OE high gravity. There's got to be a sponsorship opportunity because nothing goes hand in hand more than degenerate gambling and malt liquor. Yeah. You and uh, easy E got rest his soul uh, with a little oldie. Um, Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the uh, time, Todd. Always enjoy it, man. And uh, have a great weekend. Always a pleasure guys. Enjoy the games this weekend. There you go. Todd Furman, uh, Bet the Board podcast. You need to check that out. Uh, also, Fox Bet Live on FS1 weekdays at 3.30. So a couple of the things that he's involved in. And uh, get him on Twitter, at Todd Furman. If we missed the game, you want to ask him about, certainly do that. Brian Maurer, backup quarterback at Tennessee, threw out a tweet and then deleted it. But Don has the screenshot. Uh, we'll read it for you. It's interesting. Tennessee fan will be upset when they hear it. That's next. 3HL 104.5 Design. <laughs> 3HL powered by the Tennessee Lottery. We've got a lot to get through in this last segment. First up, the uh, Chargers got uh, blasted uh, by the Patriots. And Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, used Pearl Harbor as a metaphor in describing to his coaches how to move on from that 45 nothing loss to the Patriots. No lie. Listen. We're in a valley right now, and we're down, but we're not out. You know, just the other day was, was uh, Pearl Harbor Day. You know, one of the biggest uh, defeats this country's had. And we, we bounced back from that. And, and uh, you know, I kind of use that as an example with my staff the other day. You know, we're, we're down and out, but we're not dead yet. So uh, we're going to finish this season out the right way. And, uh, and today we're going to start with a good day of practice. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We're I not dead it. yet. My gosh. That's uh, unreal. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm actually mad at myself that I find humor in that, uh, but I do. Um, so that's kind of where where I am. Uh, I had uh, not yeah. heard that. Wow. God love my friends and family. But uh, anyway, uh, also listening to uh, J. Martin Ramon. So I take the kids to school every morning, so I catch a good bit of their show, and I absolutely love it. What they've got going on there. Uh, you can call me cousin Brent. Um, maybe I've earned that. Maybe I haven't. I don't know. Um, maybe they'll ridicule me tomorrow. But I did hear them. Uh, Talking about uh, one of our promos. Check it. Just say no. Just say no. If you're confused, like Don we'll said, explain it to you. Just say no. <laughs> we'll be right back. I was trying to do my Don. I, I, that is the merit. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> for, for those that don't know, like. Well done, not Ramon. That, not that Jason Martin's not, but we've known him a long time. Just getting to know Ramon Foster, that is one of the nicest people you will ever I mean, just a cool, <laughs> so cool <funny>. guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, later during Midday 180, um, I heard them, uh, maybe it was Paul singing it too. <laughs> just say no. Say no to drugs. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I will say, he yes, my, many of our listeners said uh, that is one of the most annoying things that they've heard, but it is so stuck in their head and it is very catchy. There you go. <laughs> it is very catchy because I would argue that you wrote that song. I really don't believe that that existed. You said that that was part of the uh, Say No to Drugs campaign that Nancy Reagan had out there back yeah. in the day. Yeah, I think Nancy Reagan wrote it herself, honestly. You think she sang that song? <laughs> no, I've never heard that song. I don't think she sang it the, the way I did. That's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, there were P, there were PSAs back then with that jingle. Absolutely. See, That's you a real thing. It. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I don't oh, yeah. remember. That's Rhett Bryan, executive producer friends. of Titans Radio. Hey, um, you know what else? Don't press send. That's that's what the next song oh. needs to be for this generation. Just say don't. no. <laughs> don't press send. <laughs> Go ahead and read what Brian Maurer, backup quarterback for Tennessee, tweeted and then deleted. Oh, Brian Maurer, don't press send. All right, here it is. Brian Maurer, your Tennessee four-string quarterback. Uh, let's get this clear. This isn't your team. You are a fan of us until you put in the blood, sweat and tears. We do. This will not be your team as a team. We spend countless hours a week, years away from our family and all that for someone like you to criticize us. No disrespect. Yeah. Here, here's the thing, Brian Maurer, and I'm going to go That's ahead and bad. say what every Tennessee fan that just heard that is saying in their head. Uh, I've been a fan since uh, the mid to late seventies, um, way before there was a Brian Mauer. So, chill, bro. Here's the <laughs> so thing you, too: is you have invested your uh, sweat <laughs> and tears into this program in yeah, this there, school, right? <laughs> there there might have been tears. I, I'm a lot more docile now than I used to be, but uh, there there may have been a turkey sandwich thrown at the television, at, you know, a time or two. But wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the deal. I mean, uh, props props to Brian Maurer. Uh, what sparked all of this was he was basically standing up for JG. He was he had his teammates back. So good on him for that. But, uh, but maybe in a anger management, words. in anger management, count to ten. Then don't press in. See it right. Don't press in. Don't do it. <laughs> Rob, you and uh, Coach Mac take it. Later. All right, <laughs> Mac Talk is next. Yes, see ya.